Good evening, everyone. Welcome to episode 18 of Malcast. Tonight, we are going to be breaking down something that I am woefully underqualified to talk about, theater and the arts. Um, I'm very interested in just sitting back and learning and letting Patrick grill these fine young ladies that we have with us tonight. Patrick, do you want to introduce us to our guests? Absolutely, and I just want to remind you, James, this is not an interview. This is a conversation we're here to have. I'm not grilling anybody. I don't believe that. Uh, that's true, because uh, I've, I've got some ideas I want to propose as well, and here's some, here's some feedback on them. But as far as our guests go, we've got uh, here, we've got uh, the lovely Rebecca Mays, uh, who is a good friend of my wife, who happens to be also here, and that's Jessica Redmond. Both of them have a bachelor's degree in theater, and I just want to let them introduce themselves and talk about their credentials a little bit. So, Rebecca, would you like to start? So I am Rebecca, and like Patrick said, I am graduated from St. Ambrose University with a bachelor's in theater. I have also performed professionally with Magic for the past three years with Ben Ulan over at Adventureland in Altoona. I have worked professionally at Children's Theater up in Northwest Iowa, and I've worked as a performer down at Disney. So that's my the key parts of my background in performance and theater. Jessica, would you like to go? Hi, I'm Jessica Redmond. Um, I don't quite have the professional resume that Rebecca has, but I also had a bachelor bachelor degree in theater in at from St. Ambrose, right. and um, I've basically been performing since I was five or six years old. Um, my dad was in theater, so I grew up into it. And while at St. Ambrose, um, I did everything from directing to stage managing to helping with lights to building sets to acting. Um, so I've kind of experienced a world of theater um, in addition to just learning everything there is to learn about it while in in college. So. Yeah, I just want to also point out, Jess, just because your dad's in theater doesn't mean you're going to do it. Uh, I mean, I <laughs> my father was in theater and I'm clearly not... <laughs> Not in it. Uh, you've done a, a big theater kid. So. You've done a monologue before, so you yeah, I did a monologue for a class. The only, the last, I think, the last production I was like actually in was Midsummer Night's Dream in seventh grade, and then before that was the Three Bears, and that's it. I would like to point so, out that. Okay, well, our our th our uh, theater professor, however, Patrick and I took with our one theater class together, and our theater professor tried very hard to get us to go out for plays. Yeah. That is true, because there is apparently a dearth of men in, uh, in what was it, Richard III? Rebecca, you would remember this, I'm sure. There was a lot of men in Richard III, and I actually played a man in that show. I was one of the princes. I was Prince Edward. And so uh, me and Megan Clark, both females, we were playing males in that show. And there were a lot of people playing multiple roles in that show, and a lot of females playing males in particular because that was just a very male heavy show just very many characters in general so so it's kind of well, not mention, I mean, james and patrick are characters of their own so i mean you guys really don't need to act well i'm True. also not super confident on a stage like whatsoever like i'm not a public speaker in any way shape or form that's that is jess's role 100 percent uh, but that does that does actually lead pretty neatly into my first question here, uh, and I think that both of you girls might be able to talk to this. Uh, clearly, both of you are women. Last I checked, with at least Jess. I'm not. Uh, anyway, moving on. <laughs> but um, is is there a typical like lack of men in theater? Is it a women dominated field, or 
you know, and, and then also like, is, is it, you know, mostly white people? Is it, uh, does it, if it's so, it's such a, if it's so supposed to be about diversity is uh, what I've been told by certain experts named Jessica. Why also is there typecasting? In, in the in the roles because I, I know I know a guy who uh, has been struggling to break out of typecasting for a lot of his roles as well so I was just I was just wondering I know there's a lot of questions wrapped up in one but that kind of gets down to who makes up the theater and and how they're kind of cast I guess either one of you guys can take a stab right away say like I feel like since it sounds like something Jess has talked about before so I'll let Jess have the first word because I know I have a hard time summarizing so I'll let her go first. No worries, no worries. And, and feel free to interject okay. anytime, of course. Yeah. Well, to answer the first part of the question, I don't think that there's necessarily more men than women doing theater. Um, well, one I was thing... asking the opposite. I was asking if there's men, more women than men. Well, yeah, but either way, I'm saying it's about 50-50, I would say. Um, but I think what it is, is there are, it does seem like there's a lot more male roles in theater than there are female. And a lot of that derives from, like, when theater first started back way back when, and especially during like Shakespearean time, they only allowed males to act. Um, and the males would play females. So there were still female roles, but granted it was mostly males playing the roles. And so I think that, yeah. So I think that there are just generally a lot more male roles um, than, than female roles in, in plays. Part of that, I especially think might- older plays. Yeah. Um, and I think another part of that is that just in general, males tend to be more um, assertive and active in life. And so I think that's even in movies, I think males tend to play a lot of lead roles because women are more passive, which isn't as interesting for a movie if the, you know, the lead character is just kind of letting other people make decisions. Yeah, with, with, that, with that observation, is that more so like a natural occurrence or is that influenced by society? Um, influenced think, by society. Yeah. I would also say, uh, going off with Jess, I would say historically, it has been a male-dominated area. Like she was talking about, um, women weren't allowed to be in shows for a very long time. So when um, going back to the earliest form of, I should s clarify, organized theater, um, it, for, for a lot of it, women were not allowed to participate. And when they were, they were very minor roles or part of the chorus oh, or ancient such. Ancient Greece, right? Ancient That's Greece, right. ancient Rome. Um, that It's just theater is an ever-evolving art. So depending on where you go in time and where you go in the world, it's the norms and the traditions and the rules and everything just change. You've got, what's it called, Geisha or something over in Japan. You've got Commedia in Italy. I mean, there's just so many different variations. And James, do you know anything yeah. about Japanese variation? Um, I do not. <laughs> I know a lot about Japan. What? That was not an area of focus. I can tell you all it's about the Nara period. It'll have your kabuki mask. As I say, it's a lot of puppets and masks in Japan, or at least that's the original art form. And the, so. and the, and the face painting and everything. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's so, so... Um, historically, it has been a male-dominated art form. I would say coming uh, to modern times, it's becoming more 50-50. I would agree with Jess. I would also say if you're looking at the U.S. in particular, because um, that's going to be what we're most familiar with, it's going to depend on where you're at in the country. Because if you're going to look at my high school, it's mostly females participating in theater. I would say a lot of 
traditional um I'd go so far as to say more conservative leaning areas, especially in the Midwest and everything, you're going to have more females participating in theater than you are males. It might not be a huge difference, but it's definitely going to be heavier on the female side because theater has become uh, more of the flamboyant area. You're a little bit more comfortable with yourself and your expression and sensitivity and everything. And so well, I say, um, the expression and sensitivity, why are there so many people that get typecast? Like, for example, and, and this is not theater, but this is video production, which is what I used to do. Um, mm -hmm. And I weighed you know, about 70 pounds lighter than I do, at, do now, which is, you know, I was you could see right through sure. me at that point, right? Sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. but I, you know, I would get all of the roles of the kid that got bullied, or I'd get the kid that was in the background carrying the massive backpack for comedy, you know, mm -hmm. because I don't look like a jock, so I can't take a jock role. So, you know, and I know that this is also prevalent in theater. You know, if if it is so, you know, flamboyant, open, and and you know, about all getting more and more diverse as well. Why are they still mm -hmm. typecast? Is that just something inherent to theater, or is it something that is inherent to culture more broadly? So I'd say that's a it's a little bit of a loaded question because it's a combination because the theater community itself um, tries to promote itself of being inclusive and supportive and of all people and everything. When it comes to typecasting, there is something to be said of having a look for what you're doing because their theater is a visual art form. Yes. And yeah. if you're going to be playing uh, in the show Color Purple, which is pretty much an all-black cast or majority black okay. cast. I would be like, oh, like, oh, I've never heard of this. Well, before. it's a show about slavery, so. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, so that, that well, yeah, especially in the American so, context. So, Color Purple uh, is going to be mostly, it's also been made into a musical. You're not going to put me or Jess in the lead role, which is a woman. Um, I feel like she and I are going to, would be great at acting in it and be able to sing it or get the lines or what have you, but I'm not black and neither is she. So she, there, there's something to be said for typecasting. And like you said, when you get got cast as the pe person who always was the kid who got picked on, um, going through school, I was very commonly typecast as the dumb blonde. Not that I don't consider myself to be dumb, for the record. I was, yes, both of <laughs> I mean, Patrick and James are both in honors with me in college. Um, I so, mean, but I think me putting me in the same intelligence category as someone else is not necessarily a roaring, you know, endorsement, but I appreciate it. I'll just say that in, in high school, especially, like I had bright blonde hair and um, had that perky cheerleader look. And so when I was doing shows, I would get cast as a dumb blonde a lot. And um, it, it's, it can be frustrating and it's very hard to pick break out of that role and you'll see that with celebrities all the time even the big blockbuster ones it's like can you see um do people see nick cage as anything other than national treasure guy yeah, probably not at this point no yeah yeah and, 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 in every movie. and you saw how hard miley cyrus was working on to be not hannah montana she yeah. had yeah. to go way over the top to get yeah, separated I think, I from think that she managed I mean, to break out of that yeah yeah well, and I think mm -hmm. along those same lines is like, like she said, obviously theater is a visual art. And also the whole point of theater is to like suspend reality. And so in order to do that, you have to engulf people in this new reality of theater. And that's really hard to do if they just can't quite get this person to visually fit into that world. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that's one really hard thing to overcome 
And but the thing is, there are actors that can overcome that. Like Meryl Streep, I can I would say that she's someone in obviously in movies more that she can become whatever role she is. But the thing is, you have to have that director who's willing to take that step, take that risk to let her play something outside of her zone. And because theater and just culture in general is so 24-7 and constantly moving and everything's very fast-paced with rehearsals and everything, you don't necessarily have time to, like, do method acting and all of a sudden become this alcoholic in order to be the right role or anything. So um, it's fast-paced and it's hard for a director to put that trust in that actor can do it in such a short time as well. I think, I think you're, you're, you're absolutely right here, Jess, um, with that. But I also want to, I want to throw out that I know, you know, a couple actors personally, and uh, you guys would be very familiar with this production that I'm about to talk about. Uh, but Jessica directed a uh, rabbit hole once, uh, and that was a whole adventure in itself. And I don't think we want to litigate that whole uh, situation again, but one of the actors in there, TJ Green, who I'm, you guys are very familiar with uh, as well, um, you know, played a, played a, actually did a really good job playing a father and, and being a very, you know, con conflicted character, you know, and I'm not in the theater, so I might not be using the here, but usually in all the other productions I've seen TJ, he's kind of, you, you know, like think of Caliban from, from, um, what's the, it starts with the, the Tempest. TV. The Tempest, Tempest. Yeah. So like he usually plays those kind of roles, but this is a completely different role for him. And yeah. I thought he did a fantastic mm -hmm. well, job. Well, and just to clarify, TJ is like, I don't know, six foot something he's like um, six foot seven you know like two he definitely two. fills a room with his he's voice and his acting and so yes. to be in a vulnerable state is definitely something that would be hard to visualize him in just so people know what we're talking about but I, I honestly think that his, like the fact that he is so big as a person and you could visually see more clearly the actual emotions that he was showing mm -hmm. rather than if you had someone like me who's about like you know a foot shorter than he is in all honesty like, mm -hmm. you know, it'd be a little bit harder for me to kind of communicate that than it would be for, you know, such a tall guy, I, I would say, at that point. There's just there's just so many factors that play into being cast. There are the factors that you can't control. I can't control that I'm white. I can't control that my face is shaped this way. I can't control um, my body your... type. I can't <laughs> control my body type. Yeah. So if you're looking for someone who's supposed to be like fresh out of the Holocaust or something like super skinny thin, it's not going to be me just the way it is. Or yeah. if you need some, if you need a fat Amy character, it's not also not going to be me. That's, that's not my size or, um, and, and so it's going to be a combination of factors you can't control, factors you can control. So when you were talking about how you've seen TJ play other roles before and this role was just way different from anything you've seen before, but he did it so well. Now that's going to be more on the actor. So when he goes in for his audition and he gives, he's got to find the right monologue. Right, to, yeah, because he, because it's the, the there's a little, there is definitely a plenty of responsibility on the actor to portray the potential that they can do. So you, when you go into an audition, you need to make sure you are picking the right monologue, the right audition material, all of that stuff. You should dress for the part. If I'm going in to audition for Orange is the New Black, I'm not going to wear a uh, court suit wherever I'm wearing like my pencil skirt and a jacket and everything because they're going to have such a hard time picturing me in one of those orange jumpsuits in prison. I'm going to go yeah. in with my hair tousled and wearing my street clothes and go sup and slouch when I talk. And then they'll be able to, it's going to be easier 
for the casting director to picture me in the role they want to see me in. So you got to dress for the part, you got to act the part, and you just better pray that your factors that you can't control as well are going to fit within the vision that they already have. And it's a little bit of a mind-reading game because you don't know what that director's looking for. Because this director might think I'm perfect for this role, and this director might not. So it's a crapshoot. A great example of that is Rebecca and I went to a theater competition and we were doing a dance audition um, to be in this dance number. Um, and I remember after the audition, I don't know if she said this, Rebecca, but the lady said to me, she's like, I have like 10 other girls that look just like you. And I need you to do something that makes you stand out against all these other girls because I'm mm-hmm. not going to remember your face. So I think a big part of it is like Rebecca was saying is like, you need to amp up your acting ability and you need to you need to make it seem like you're not your normal person. Like, an audition's not the moment to show your personality unless that fits the role perfectly. Um, and so that's also a big part of it is because, as with anybody, actors are naturally going to go towards what they think they're good at, which is what they're going to be typecast as. Or they're naturally going to go to their comfort zone rather than doing a monologue that might be a little bit edgy or might be like something like, oh, I'm not really sure if they would think I'm good for this role. Well, you have to believe that you are. Amplify your strengths is what a lot of people are going to lean towards. And I did get that same feedback. It's like, um, because, I mean, we're in the Midwest, first off. And when we went to this uh, theater competition, it was, like, pretty much all the states in the Midwest. So it's mostly white people. And for females, our hair is also going to look mostly the same, too. And we're roughly the same same height. (laughs) Yeah, so we go into this audition and you see 50 other girls who look just like you. And you have to do something that makes you stand out. And it's not going to be your face. So you better have some sort of stage presence bumping you up there. Because otherwise, they're not going to give you a second look. So that is going to be more on the the actor itself. But... Going back to early the earlier question, like the typecasting versus the all-inclusive and everything, it's a director's job to be able to pick the right talent and to find the right look that's going to, like just said, help the audience suspend their disbelief. Because I need to be able to pull you into this world and make you believe I'm Izzy from Rabbit Hole. I need, yeah. I need, TJ needs to make you believe he's Shrek in this musical. He's teacher's going to have an easier time doing Shrek than he is going to be doing Lord Farquaad. So. uh, We got a a question from the audience, and I kind of, it's a very generalized question, and I want to tie this into something that me and Jess were talking about, just to talk more about where where theater's been kind of moving. And and you guys were already bringing up the fact that, you know, there's more women in it, which is great. You know, we don't have weird men playing women's roles <laughs> and you can clearly tell we do, we do awesome. still have that it's for a purpose and it's intentional right, instead exactly. of just being yeah. we have to use like, that's all you have <laughs> you know yeah you just a bunch of sweaty yeah. men from to have them play like lady Anne Boleyn or whatever um yeah. but <laughs> so so uh, my, uh, I've got a uh, one of our one of our number one fans here is asking, what about Hamilton? And I don't want to just get into a whole litigation of Hamilton, but I want to target something that Jess was telling me earlier today. And we were actually in disagreement here. I thought Hamilton was great in the sense of the story that it told and how it used uh, non-color blind casting to communicate an idea of you know uh, people of color essentially inheriting America and all that kind of stuff. 
with you know the rap music, uh, you know, up against like more classical singing from the British side. And I thought it was a really good breakdown of it and a really good message really coming from the play. And that's what I focused on because I'm just an audience member. I'm uneducated on the subject. I don't really know what I'm talking about. Jess, on the other hand, didn't really like the play in the sense that if you ignore the technical aspects of the play, which is what makes it so stand out in her mind, it's just a biography at the end of the day. And, this, and I could be misrepresenting what you said, Jess. So I want to let you correct me before I, before I get in there. But we were getting into a pretty heated argument about this. And I think, I think this gets down to where is theater going in the future? Is it, is it focusing more on these technical aspects and kind of increasing that? Uh, like uh, Hades Town is coming out or it's already out at some point. Uh, and it's got a really cool rotating stage to convey movement and stuff, which I thought was really awesome. And then it's got some nice lamps and all kinds of things are happening. Uh, so is it moving more of that technical aspect or are we still in, you know, kind of really focusing in on stories as well? Uh, and Jess, correct me if I'm wrong with your my interpretation of what you said in Carla's Ford. Well, to clarify, I believe that you were the one that said you didn't really like it because you thought the story was subpar. It wasn't the best play I've ever seen, but I did like it. That's, that's what I was trying to say. So what, what started this conversation, we were talking about what makes a play revolutionary or what makes it, you know, what makes something the Shakespeare play of the time kind of thing. And I said, these days- yeah, My main question was, where are our modern day Shakespeare's? Yeah. Is it, is it Manuel Miranda something? In Manuel Miranda. In Manuel oh. Miranda. I got to get two thirds of the name. Oh is, it, is it him or is it yes. the lady that wrote Hadestown? You know, I also don't know her name. I do know that she's a lady though, <laughs> but- Yeah, well, so you know. what the direction I was going in is I think that writing styles like if you just read scripts of modern plays today i'm not sure that there are too many that are like shakespeare revolutionary great um because i think in my mind theater is more moving more towards the technical aspects and it's more about juxtaposition of ideas and concepts and um kind of this more complex theater than you know theater that's more philosophical and so with hamilton specifically i was saying that I think what makes everybody amazed by it or what makes it so, um, what blew it up so big is that it was all rap music, which is pretty new for a play. Um, they used lots of technical aspects, which just so you know, Hades Town doesn't have the rotating stage, that's Hamilton. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, so like Hamilton used that rotating stage aspect. Cool. <laughs> several shows who use the rotating stage aspect, but yeah. Hamilton is one of them. Yeah, it's one of them. Um, and, but they also combine, like, I don't think it's just the rap that makes the music great, but it's the way that Lin-Manuel Miranda juxtapositioned. Oh my gosh, I can't say it. Juxtapositioned? Oh. Yes, thank you. Whatever. It's <laughs> <laughs> right next to you. <laughs> yes. The, the, he layered the music on top of each other to convey different feelings, and he let the music convey the feelings um, in addition to the actors and the acting and that kind of thing. And so I think that's more the direction that theater is going, is they're using these technical... Um, these technical, what's the word? Thanks. Things, things, <laughs> aspects. Yeah, um, to aspects. Yes, yeah. to um, to portray the the meaning of the play and to make people think a little bit more is because it is so complex these days that it does make you think and it makes you break it down and it makes you want to see the play a couple different times because what did I miss the first time? Um, and so that's where I was going with that. I don't know what Rebecca wants to say about that, but. <laughs> So, um, 
with with what Jess is saying, I think with with Hamilton specifically, um, if you look at just the story alone, with just the story of Hamilton, um, it's interesting. But I think it's the layering of all the aspects and factors, like the shock factor of having um, non-white people play our all-white founding fathers. Like that's a sh big shock factor right there. And then using rap music and all of the ways that all the all the careful little elements on like like you were saying like with the rap versus the classical sound with the british and the way the technical aspects all came together on stage and the choreography i think all of those factors coming together is what made that show just wow the story alone wasn't enough in that case i also think musicals are kind of their own area it's really hard to just have a good story um for a musical like if you take away the music and everything and just have an awesome story it's hard to do for some of these musicals not all of them but for some musicals it's kind of like eh because the musical um, is integral right to the to the production exactly i mean in the case of the color purple the book came first the book is an amazing book and it's been it's an older book too it's an incredible story and then they turned it into a musical and so that is a standalone story the way that Hamilton's done, you could see it as a standalone story, but like Stress was saying too, is like it's kind of like a biography. It doesn't have to be that interesting if you're just reading it off a page. Um, it might not invoke the same kind of emotion. Um, when it comes to all of theater and compass, because I feel like we've focused a lot on musicals. Um, yeah. I think theater is just one of those, like just like any art form, it's just ever evolving. Because um, right now, in order to stay alive and keep audience interest, we've definitely been leaning heavily on musicals. Because uh, to have someone sit through a three or four hour Shakespeare play, the average Joe is going to struggle. It's going to be a little hard. Yeah, which yeah, is why I, I think I, theater has more of those technical aspects, like the shiny yeah. lights and the screens and like, yeah. And, <laughs> I mean, and not just Hampton. Have, have you heard about, do you, do you know of the play King Kong? And yeah. how huge, they have this huge animatronic puppet type thing for King Kong that like takes up the whole stage. And it's it, it gets into such minutia. You can see the eyebrows move on this thing and the facial expressions on this giant gorilla on stage. And um, so, but I got a question though with with what you just said there, in the sense of in order to keep audiences in the audience, right, where they're supposed to be for the theater, right, to keep theater alive, and mm -hmm. you know, hopefully spending money on tickets and merch or whatever you guys sell there. Uh, yeah. Candy bars in the in the uh, in the intermission. Um, is that a problem with theater, or is that a problem with us as the audience? The fact that we have such a short attention span that we can't sit there through these through these uh, you know these these theater productions, right? Like, uh, I mean, the last I want to say the last most recent great theater production that I've seen was Noises Off, which Saint Ambrose also put on, which I thought was really really good. They did a fantastic job with that. And I was laughing the whole time. Had never seen it before. Honestly, a wonderful production. And our and our uh, viewers also agree with me. Apparently, that is their best play ever. Uh, apparently, also another play was Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? I've never seen that. But um, like that, I really really liked. Is mm -hmm. are we ever going to see a play like that because the audience doesn't have the attention span, or is it just theaters evolving in a direction 
more focused on the technical and musical aspect? It's a combination, honestly. Um, I, I do think there's a factor playing into the audiences just having a shorter attention span. We are just used to instant gratification now. We don't have the patience to sit through some of that stuff. Not everyone. I think there's still plenty of people out there. I also think there are some people out there who claim they like Shakespeare or claim they'll go to the Shakespeare or the opera or what have you and and don't. do it because they think that makes them high society. And and there's this, there's this um, sector of theater and everything that um, people take pride in enjoying and lording that over people because there is something about the theater that's considered upper class and elitist because you have the time and the money to spare to go indulge in something like this. As so, opposed to like um, movie theater or watching TV. Yeah, just going to the movies and zoning out or what have you, which any common peasant can do. No, no, but I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that's everybody. There's, But just, you know what I'm talking about. Like there's that section of people who just think they're so posh because they've seen Richard III and Tempest and um, Romeo and Juliet and Midsummer Night's Dream and enjoyed every second of it. Ho, 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 ho. Well, well I'm so, gonna be enjoying in Midsummer Night's Dream. Just saying. I was gonna say okay, Midsummer Night's Dream is really fun, but you'll see you'll see all these modern adaptations of it and such, like in the movies or on stage or whatever, and they just try to make it more interesting for people to sit through rather than doing a completely traditional Shakespeare show. Which is sometimes boring because everyone is familiar with them at this point. There's no more twists. Like, you can't watch Macbeth and be like, oh, you know, oh, the twist, you know, because everyone knows. Died? What? Yes. Say that name? What oh, is hey, wrong uh, with you? You introduce the special guest. The oh, Scottish oh, play. Oh, no. You have to show oh, Well, only when you're in the theater. You can say okay. outside the theater. If you're in the theater, you have to refer to it as the Scottish play. Oh. Otherwise, it's taboo. You can't. I see. Well, I've never, <laughs> I've never acting in any other production ever, period, in the future. Mm -hmm. So I can oh. say Macbeth as many times as I want. What were you going to say, James? So I was going to say the accountant popping in here with the, you know, the thing <laughs> that I've noticed <laughs> tends to... For 30 minutes then, James has something to say. I know. Um, that turns people away is the cost, too, because I think that going to the movie for 18 bucks is expensive, but then the only production I've ever been to that wasn't part of school in some way, shape, or form, where everything's discounted or free, was I went to Shen Yun, uh, when it might be butchering that, but when it was here a few years ago, and that was $280 a ticket, which mm -hmm. is ridiculous I, for four hours. That gets That could be just supply and demand, too. What's that? Yeah, like, there's that not gets, enough people going, so they have to charge exorbitant amounts for the people that are going to go, so they can afford the yeah. play. Well, and yeah. the, the, sad, the sad fact is that uh, a lot of shows, ticket sales don't cover the cost of the show. Um, it, it comes from donors and other ways they get to it. Like, um, I mean, it's a little bit different outside of school, but I can tell you from school alone, as Beth and I are both work studies for the chair of the theater department when we were in college. And um, so talking about budgets and helping to organize receipts and everything, like, so to be fair, um, Ambrose students, if an Ambrose student wants to go see a play, it's free at, at Ambrose. So uh, as long as it's on the main stage. So all they got to do is show their student ID and they can go as many times as they want. Because um, it's supposedly included with their tuition and everything. The thing is, 
Um, even though the tickets are somewhat expensive for like a regular, you know, community member, um, even if we filled the main level of the theater, like had a full house, yeah, not not the balconies, I'll, I'll, but yeah, actually, no, I probably even including the balconies. If we had a full house and it was all community members that came to buy tickets, and we had a full house all three nights that we do the show, we still wouldn't pay off everything that we spent on making that show on all the money we spend on building the sets and the props and the costumes and heaven forbid, if we were, uh, if this were a professional show, say, say this was a professional show, we were going to actually pay the actors and the directors and everything. Um, so on top of paying, basically, (laughs) but we were in in a sense, we're free labor for that kind of show because we're their students, but at the same time, like that's that's school. Um, but So, but yeah, yeah. If we, if you were gonna pay everyone and just have those three nights of shows and pay for all of your set and your costumes and their designers and whatnot, we don't break even. We don't break even because so, it because theater's expensive. So is that uh, why you see like Broadway, for example, they'll run the same show for years just to recoup yes. the cost? Yes. Please yes, now. and just hope that they can make their money back and. And also think about when you're looking at Broadway shows, those main characters are getting paid nicely too. And um, the ticket sales, ticket sales are tough to cover everything. I mean, it's it just... Well, it also... Well, in terms of Broadway, it also depends on the popularity of the show. Shows that are popular mm-hmm. are going to run much longer because, like, you, I mean they're going to make more money that way and also people want to see it so why would you close down kind of thing um Mm -hmm. but yeah i could definitely see how they do it for the money and just kind of to backtrack real quick before we get too far off the topic um in terms of like going to theater and everything i think a big part of what doesn't keep or what kind of stops people from going to theater is in my mind part of the job of theater is to challenge your worldview is to make you think different um especially the more serious plays and like the play plays that don't have the musical or the technical aspects like dear evan hansen <laughs> well dear Alvin hansen is a musical. musical okay well a straight play a straight yeah, like play with no music okay rabbit hole for instance so rabbit hole since we've been talking about it the basis of it is that this couple lost their kid uh their young son and they're trying to cope with the loss of it and so obviously that's a heavy topic and I don't know about you, but like, obviously there's some times where you're in the mood for a sad movie, but a lot of times you're like, you know, I'd rather be laughing than crying. Um, I was very uncomfortable with the play because it was so well done. You know, it, it made me feel all the emotions yeah. that I didn't want to feel. Yeah, and but- there's something, there's something more intense about it happening right in front of you with, yeah. with people instead of As just a recording. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, but that's hard. It's hard to, again, that's asking people to, not only step out of their comfort zone, but to pay to step out of their comfort yeah. zone and to feel emotions and be vulnerable in a public space, which is asking quite a bit. Um, and there's something really moving and deep and something that can change you by doing that, which is I, what I think makes theater worthwhile is because you can have those life-changing experiences and you can have those, you get to experience the same thing as all the other people in the room at the same time and be taken to a different world. Um, and there's something really magical about that. Um, but that's really hard to do. And I think that's part of why theater isn't necessarily more popular than movies or musicals is because it it's making you 
cope with those hard topics. And it's so much easier just to ignore them, to sit in your comfort zone, and um, and go to something that will make you laugh instead. So I think that's a big part of that too. Computers super important, right? Like it's the fairly at least to me. I'm a I'm a big proponent of the arts in general. And Rebecca, you know this. Jess, you know this by how I argued on SGA, uh, because I got it's probably the most heated I've ever gotten in a Senate hearing. But um, I think a a society and a culture more broadly degrades rapidly when you lose the arts basically and theater is a part of the art and um, in in uh in my uh ethics of public policy course that i took this last semester um right after right before i graduated uh the last topic we discussed was public funding of the arts i unfortunately was the only one in favor of public funding of theater in the entire classroom which i thought was very surprising because the arguments from the other side, it, this, it, it, you know, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, no public policy is objective. It's all subjective. It's based on what value systems undergird the public policy. So I was arguing for the arts. They were arguing for increased welfare, increased health care, increased access to a variety of amenities, increased work programs, things that are more materialistic. I was arguing for why I believe to be a little bit more spiritualistic that I think we're missing in the culture, which would be theater. Would you guys be in favor of any public funding from the arts, or do you see some kind of issues with, you know, government money coming into to theater and kind of corrupting it in some way? Or I'm a huge favor of any just just about any kind of money coming into <laughs> theater. Money. I said just yeah. I had to clarify like, money. just about just about <laughs> yeah, any not, money. Not and I, money I, but I, like, legal here's, money. Here's my thing. Here's my thing. Um, with government money, as long as it's not just government money, first off, like there's still the option of getting yeah, money obviously. elsewhere. Yeah, like, uh, think but, of it as a ticket subsidy program. Like, yeah, we, like uh, just, or, or basically it's just giving it a boost. So there's something there. Yeah. Um, it, it gets a little fuzzy when the government's, you know, funding theater and then they start to control theater. Yeah, exactly. I don't want them Answer. to control it or censor it too much because then we get into problems. Because historically, as I'm sure Patrick and James are aware, because they're both quite the history buffs. Um, James a little bit more when, history than I am, but yeah. When 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 world leaders want to control the population and put out propaganda, that's the first one of the first places they'll go to is controlling the arts and the theater and what's being the self expression. And if they can monitor that and control that, you're going to have a much stronger hold on the population you are trying to control. Right. And so that actually. That was the, uh, sorry, James, mind if I just go first? Real, real yeah, quick yeah, go ahead. I know I'm talking a lot, but I'm going to make this real short. That is one of the major contentions in Plato's Republic is he wants to eliminate the arts completely. Because if you mm -hmm. let the arts remain, sorry, Reggie. If you let the arts remain, then the people will have access to different ideas than what the government wants them to have access to. And they'll have access to an open avenue for conversation of these challenging things that are discussed in theater. Yeah, they'll be thinking for themselves, heaven forbid. Yeah. Now, you don't want your populist thinking for themselves and trying to control them. Of course not. <laughs> and this this leads back to what I, uh, the Shenyun play that I mentioned earlier, because that play was traveling around the world with the sole purpose of exposing people to Chinese culture pre-communist revolution. And it's about 
this is what our culture was, and this is how it was torn from us, and it was destroyed by the Communist Party once they came to power in 1949, and they're just trying to basically spread an idea um, of what Chinese culture was and speaking freely the Bring way that they... Life into it. Yes, yeah. the way that they could, they can't do in China. So, yeah. and, and that's, that's in my opinion, that's where art, you know, the arts and theater in particular needs to be is pushing ideas that are, you know, important ideas that probably are counter to most of the culture or um, at least, like Jess was saying, make people think, make people feel something they wouldn't normally. And um, Mm -hmm. you don't get that, like Rebecca said, with government control and funding because, yeah, if they start giving money, they get to choose what gets played. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also I think... I would want, I mean, I think it's important to keep funding the theater as well because it is supposed to be a unifying experience. Yeah. Granted, you can go to the same play as, the, I mean, obviously you can be sitting next to someone at the same play and you can get completely different ideas when you walk away from the play. But in the yeah. end, you guys had a unifying experience together. You laughed together, you cried together. <laughs> and even if, <laughs> yeah, and even if you like came away from it with different ideas, it was still a unifying experience, which I think is what we need more of, especially right now when we've been so distant from each other, is that it's so important to like feel things together and know that it's okay to feel things and feel different things than what your neighbor's feeling. Maybe they're laughing at a part you're crying at. It happens. But at the same time, you know that you're sharing in the same experience and that it's okay to feel something different. It's not the end of the world. You know, the theater doesn't blow up when all of a sudden you start yeah. laughing at a sad part. So, which I've done before, but regardless. Uh, that's because you have a more sense of humor, Jess. Uh, that's not true. <laughs> it's a, but it is, it is a human experience. Like there was the the Little Prince that they did at Ambrose. They adapted the, the story of the Little Prince, which is a French um, children's story, the Petit Prince. And um, there's, it's honestly, <laughs> what? That was a good pronunciation right there. Oh, merci. Um, <laughs> better than mine. Um, anyways, with, with with The Little Prince, um, Dan Hale was the one who adapted it the into the stage play that he made it into. Uh, and they used a lot of puppets and everything. And it was adorable, beautiful show. And the story itself, just the, if you're familiar with the children's story, it's great. Um, but he himself, as the director, and he's a college professor, um, he was asking his kids, he was asking his coworkers, he's just like, what's this show about? What's this story about? And everyone he asked had a different answer. And he didn't even really have an answer. Because normally when we do a script analysis for a play or something, like we have to have the overarching theme or the... That's the... how you get a doctorate degree in theater. You're assumed to have all the answers, right? Yeah, right? Or well, yeah. not a doctorate for him, a master. He is a master's, but in his he's field, that's the highest he can get. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyways, with, with that, it's like that because that story, honestly, it's kind of a bunch of little mini stories that are all sewn together. Would you, would you kind of agree, Jess, with that? Did yeah. you see the Little Prince? It's, it's, yeah. Yeah, because like, they all weave together, but each one kind of has its own little lesson and moral along yeah, the way. Yeah, like so many it's like, What does the whole story mean? I'm not quite sure. And... Neither was the director, and neither were the people he was talking to. I mean, 
they, so everyone watched it or listened to it or what have you, and they came away with a different idea. And that's kind of beautiful, and that's kind of the human experience, and you're, you're allowed to do that in theater. Now, when you're in college and you're studying it, there will be some plays and assignments and everything where they'll be like, no, you have to have an answer, and there is this cone of rightness that you have to fall under. But, yeah, or if you're directing a play, you have to have an answer, which is hard. You 100% have to have an answer if you're directing a, a, at school, but um, <laughs> unless you're the like, director. <laughs> you need the vision. If you don't have vision, it's going to fall apart. That's right. So you have to have something. But uh, outside of you know school and having to you know meet the grade and everything, that is kind of how theater works. You can go and the, the director, the playwright, and the actors can only hope that the audience is going to take away a sliver of what they were yeah. going for. But that's communication in general. Like, I I can say something, yeah. and my tone of voice and the my expression and the words that I choose are all going to affect how you interpret what I'm saying. Yeah, there's a, and, there's a denotation for everything and a connotation for it as well. You mm -hmm. might have a definition of the, the clear meaning of the words, but how you convey it, to whom you're conveying it to, your body language, everything like that's going to communicate things as well. That exactly. Totally, which is why theater, uh, it's a full body art. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think, and like you were talking about how it's kind of like also that Robin Williams quote where, or from, uh, I think it's Dead Poets Society, um, pursuing, you know, healthcare and the social works and everything. Like these are all noble pursuits, but literature, theater, music, these are the reasons to live. Yeah, I totally so, that, that was basically my argument as well. Is it's like I get like I understand. People So I like yeah. yeah, I I, I but, fully support government support to the arts. I don't think government should have full control over the arts, but have but showing monetary support is a good way of just showing general support to the public and to the community and to your population that hey this is a good thing this is an important thing and i think it's also brave on the side of the government to give it monetary support without censorship because that means that they are confident in their leadership and the way that um everything's progressing that yeah. they are going to allow the people to have their free thought and creation and yeah, such they're not, they're not creative process of the ideas that are going to be discussed at a play is you know it's it mm -hmm. and it's not even necessarily like they're not threatened by it it's that they're they understand the people they're comfortable with the people discussing things which mm -hmm. they should be you know at, at the, as the government as an extension of the people should be comfortable with the people if they're not comfortable with the people i think there's some problems going on right now you know mm -hmm. um, so like, i've got a couple of questions a couple of comments that have that have come up from some of our biggest fans todd karolchek among them uh so uh, he, he has said that just open the theaters again. I haven't seen a show in over a year. The show must go on. And let, I'm gonna, I've got a couple questions. Um, just let me, let me run through these. Um, they want to know what our favorite play is, as well as whenever we have disagreed with the director on interpretation of a play, role, or scene. In that, I want to bring in Todd's comment and say, is it time for the theaters to reopen in full? Yes. So feel free. I'll, I'll, uh, yes. Back to Jess. Yeah, I know Jess says yes because she really wants to see Hades Town. Uh, but uh, it, also, what's your favorite play, and have you ever disagreed with uh, a director's interpretation of a, of a play or role or scene? Jess, keep going. Yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, I do think that theaters should be open, um, just because 
in general, I think everything should be open by now. We have vaccines. Most people are vaccinated. But, you know, I'm not going to get into the COVID government talks, whatever. I think theaters need to be open because, like I said, we need that unifying experience again. We need to be together. We need to be sitting next to each other, feeling things together. And we need to, I think we need to be put in that vulnerable position. Obviously not the health vulnerable position, but like the mentally vulnerable position. Um, So that way... We're challenged, right? Yeah, so that way we can come together again rather than being distant, not only physically, but mentally distant from everybody and being um, isolated and told that, you know, just think your own things, keep your distance, don't talk to anyone because that's what you need to do right now. I think it's time to get beyond that. Um, And then in terms of my favorite play, that's hard. Um, You can just pick a good one if you want. Pick pick your favorite play that you've been in and your favorite play that you've seen. And if you have one, favorite play that you've read. Sure. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. So (laughs) the favorite play that I've seen, um, I will admit most of my family mostly goes to musicals. I've seen a lot of plays in college, um, but I have mostly gone to musicals. Uh, My favorite play that I've seen is probably, or it's a musical, is called Waitress. Um, just because it kind of exceeded my expectations. I love the music to it. It's made by Sarah Bareilles. All the time. Yes, I love the music so much. But then when I saw the play, it was just so much funnier. It was so much funnier than I thought it was going to be. Um, And I thought that uh, it had a a deeper story than I kind of expected because the music was so funny and lighthearted. So I ended up really liking that play. I'm also really excited to see Hades Town, even though I haven't seen it yet. But I've kind of watched analyses on the on the music and everything and so i think it's going to be a really good thought-provoking play um one that i've been honestly was probably my first college collegiate play which was the tempest and it's not just because i was like oh i was in a shakespeare i must be elite now uh but it was just... elite, my eyes. <laughs> but the play itself the way that saint ambrose did it it just like it was amazing. It was amazing. I, it. I watched it, it and really it was good. amazing. Yeah, there was a St. Ambrose alum who did um who made music for the show. Um he composed his own music. And there was just no way to like walk into that play and not be engulfed into this Tempest world. Um it also was my first Shakespeare, so it was really like eye-opening for me. And I was like, whoa, this is so cool. And I started to understand Shakespeare for the first time ever. And so yeah, that was probably my favorite. Um I played a series which was like a goddess fairy you're like thing a spirit, right? or something like yeah yeah you were running around like this you and kayla june i believe yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> um but then so i don't know if you, any, either of you guys are impressed by the fact that i can remember all these details <laughs> i'm a little bit impressed oh good i like theater yeah and like, my favorite play that i'm kayla and sarah wasn't it i thought there was only two no, actually, the fairies were Rachel Probolsky. Oh, Rachel. Um, and Sarah Goodall, and then me. Oh, okay. Kayla, well, and Kayla was Ariel. Kayla was, like, the lead... Yeah, what was... Whatever. Ariel. Ariel, yeah. But anyways... <laughs> Sorry, not to be listing names online. Maybe I shouldn't do that. But... <laughs> I, I think they could use some of the advertisements. <laughs> and then, uh, favorite play I've read? It's really hard, because as a theater major, we've read tons and tons and tons of plays... Um, I mean, honestly, the first thing that comes to mind is obviously Rabbit Hole, because I chose to direct it, um, and I just, the first time I read the play, 
I just had, like, my mind was open with all the possibilities and directions you could go with it. And it is just such, it's a topic that I've never thought about, because obviously I was a young college student, um, so the thought of losing a child was, like, foreign to me. And so I just thought it was really powerful. Um, and, yeah. Anyways, that's, yeah. <laughs> hey, that's fine. I, th I think that gives us a pretty good understanding of exactly why theater is so moving. <laughs> what about you, Rebecca? Sorry, I've got, uh, my son is here. He's a, he <laughs> Reggie. He's a good well, um, in regards to should theaters be open, um, I think at this point, yes, as well. If sports can, it, uh, here's where I'm standing. If sports can be open, theaters can be open. Really? I yeah. mean, so uh, obviously, you know, my dad's a doctor and I've seen the toll of this pandemic's taken on him. So I think it's important to be careful. Maybe there still needs to be precautions in certain areas, maybe distancing, but open the theaters, please bring people back in. We need it. I miss it. Oh, the God. actors want it. Yeah. <laughs> Not to mention theater is meant to be live. Like you're meant yeah. to see it in purpose, in person. That's the whole purpose of theater. It's not the same. It's on video or whatever. Yeah, yeah not the same with doing Zoom shows. I mean, we'll go to the movies for that. But I just, yeah, I miss theater. Anyways, <laughs> um, besides that, uh, favorite show, um, that's really tough. Uh, <laughs> I thought I was hoping as I put you first. I was thinking about it, yeah. trying to narrow it down, and I just kept getting more and more in my head. Just if you want, um, James go. Go after Jess. I'm sure he's got something. I do, actually. Well, yeah. performed in um, drama-wise, uh, I think Rabbit Hole is one of my better ones, and I was really proud of that. Yeah, you did a really good um, job. And I, I enjoyed being in that cast. I would say Agnes of God, but I was actually... Like, while I, I enjoyed that play to an extent, it also was very hard. I had a couple of breakdowns. <laughs> that was a really messed up play. Um, it was a good play, but uh, that was that was mentally exhausting for me. So I think I enjoyed, drama-wise, um, Rabbit Hole more. Um, but I also would say that my first college show was a musical. It was Parade. And that will forever hold a special place in my heart because I had never heard that musical before and it was powerful. The music was good. The story was good. It was it was amazing. It was my first taste of college theater and just working with all those people. I was a minor character, but oh my goodness, wasn't incredible. Um, favorite show that I've seen, I'm kind of tied between Noises Off and the lion king because the first time i saw the lion king musical in was in chicago and i think i was eight years old and it just blew my mind i already i'm already a huge disney fanatic as you guys know um so seeing it live like that and having like the animals walk through the aisles and seeing the colors and everything on stage just i've never forgotten it but I saw Noises Off in college, and I saw Noises Off in high school, and both times it was done so well. Oh my gosh, I forgot. Um, Drama-wise, no one of the ones that... Sorry, it was just... Uh, high school. High school went to Thespian Festival, and there was a school that did Time Stand Still, I think is what it's called, 
And I forgot that I was watching High Schoolers. They were so good, and that show was so powerful. It was about this photographer who um, went over into um, a war zone to take photos and everything. She gets injured while she's over there. But all this PTSD that she experiences, because she goes into the like most dangerous places to get that footage to bring back to people so they know what's going on in this war, yeah. what's going on in this third world country or whatever. And it was just so powerful. And I, I've never forgotten it. Never it stuck with me. I, I, um, I, that's, you know, the magic of the theater, right? Yeah. But then <laughs> the other question that neither of us have answered, if we ever got in a role yeah. where we disagreed with the director, or if you just or play as an audience member, you, you, that works too. Mm -hmm. But um, I mean, if you want to think more about that, we can move. We can move on to me and James, I guess. Like, you know, yeah, go to you and James, and Jess and I need to think a little bit more on that question. <laughs> James, James, uh, you you want to go first? Yeah, sure. So I don't have boys. <laughs> I don't have an answer for favorite play that I've read, but favorite play that I've seen again. So I've only seen a few. I have seen The Tempest, um, which was amazing. Oh, with uh, me, right? We didn't yep, go together? Yep. yep. I've seen... Yeah, it, was a, it was a great date. I loved it. Oh, it was... Oh. <laughs> You're so cute. I remember that night to this day. <laughs> I uh, know. The uh, starlight is bouncing off your glasses. Oh, my gosh. I've seen, anyway. I've seen Hamilton, um, which is very good. But uh, my favorite is definitely Shen Yun because of the impact and, of course, because of my own personal feelings regarding communism. CCP, we know. Yeah, uh, gotta gotta throw that in there. So, yeah. but I mean, it was on, the music and like everything was beautiful. Um, it was absolutely worth the money. I was sixteen or seventeen at the time, and it was the first like real production I'd ever seen. And honestly, I've just been waiting for them to come back into town at the Adler so I can yeah. see it again because it was fantastic. Favorite play that I've been in, I've only ever really been in one production. So, what and, was it? So, in the order of Demolay, during our initiation ceremony, okay. um, the Demolay is a is a Freemason youth organization. For anyone who doesn't know that, um, we do a play during the initiation ceremony to reenact um, when the French uh, falsely accused Jacques Demolay, which was the Grand Master of the Templars, of treason and burn him at the stake. And there's a lot of shouting and arguing in that play, which suits me very well. So I got to yes. yes, it does. Yes. So I got to hold swords and be very loud and bombastic. And so I really enjoyed that um, because I was basically just playing a meaner version of myself. Um, I didn't look quite as intimidating then as I did as I do now, but it was still fun. You know, I had long hair, baby face, so Was your hair really that long back then? It was down to like here, yeah. Alright. Had baby face. Um, it wasn't good. Well, I, I would say that, I mean, every single play that I've seen at St. Ambrose was incredibly well done. I would say is, I was, I've actually seen plays outside of St. Ambrose that I thought were worse produced mm -hmm. oh, yeah. and worse acted than what I've seen at St. Ambrose, which is why it's such a shame that they shut down the program, which I, I want to have be our closing question for you two, because uh, I know you guys are, you feel a little, little strong about the shutting down of the theater program. I know it's not officially shut down, but it's effectively shut down, right? Um, but, shut down. Yeah, I, I think I think 
I think you guys, I think you guys did a really, really good job with all of those plays, and it's really hard for me to pick any one of them that I thought was really well done. Obviously, Rabbit Hole, really, really well directed. I think the director and the, uh, I think uh, one of the female actors that played the little sister was, a, you know, did a really good job. You know, I, I wouldn't, I don't know her name exactly, but if, if there's any directors, someone ever, famous, call me. I'll, I, I can always, you know, dig. If you say my Becca, it works both ways. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I, I think that those are really good. I think the best play, I'll, I'll just step out of St. Ambrose. The best play that I saw out was Beauty and the Beast with actually Jessica. I took her to go see that for, I think, was it our two-year anniversary? Or was it Christmas? Like Something like that. Anyway, um, we went to go see it. Yes. Uh, so that was really fun. Uh, I think that was really, really, really well acted. The, the set pieces were gorgeous. Is And it also, you know, I, I've seen Beauty and the Beast before like on the big screen but on the big stage i think it was it was an entirely different experience um all the roles that i've disagreed with are the ones that justin get casted for so that's just that's my answer for that one i think she should get cast for everything uh, uh just, no obviously. that would be poor choice <laughs> no i don't want i don't want to play a giant black man she okay? got denied a role it was improperly denied should oh. she should have been given that role anyway oh. we'll move on uh Let's let's do these uh, uh, rapid fire. If you ever disagree with the role, okay. and then well, we'll real... move on to thoughts on the theater program from St. Ambrose. Okay, real quick, another play that I really loved that I forgot that was an actual play was actually an original again by a St. Ambrose alum called Broken, oh. and it was about human trafficking. Um, and that was just such an amazing experience because it was in this really small theater. Um, and I personally like have done a lot of research on human trafficking in my past, and so just having that knowledge and going into it. Like, it was really hard not to just totally lose yourself in the play and uh, think about the fact also that this is actually going on in real life and how easy and how normal it seems. Like, it seems like you're just making friends with this person, but then all of a sudden they're they're not your friend. But anyways, it it was really well done, too. And I, that was also a play that I'll never forget. And I definitely cried my eyes out during that show. <laughs> uh, Jess, you want to comment on any role that you disagreed with or or play that you disagree with um the one that i acted in that i really that i disagreed with necessarily um and i can't really think of any specific examples but just in general the plays that i remember not liking were plays that were very super superficial like it seemed like people were just acting to play a role rather than trying to become the role or plays that focus so much on technical aspects that you know it's kind of clunky and there's awkward transitions and that kind of thing um honestly like the best plays are ones that it just kind of goes flawlessly that you don't even realize all the technical aspects going into it you don't even realize the actors are acting and that kind of thing um and also i think there have just been general moments where i've just disagreed with the director's interpretation of the play in that again i found their interpretation kind of superficial or like you know someone who just read the play could probably get that same idea from it which i think isn't the point i yeah. think you need to sit and think on it and really think about like okay there's a lot of levels to this play what is it all saying rather than just being like oh i think the obvious answer here is this um so i don't i can't think of a specific example um but i have disagreed with people in the past <laughs> yeah absolutely rebecca you got any uh disagreements Definitely a lot of disagreements. Staring as well. <laughs> not, to not, not to rail uh, against anybody that you might have uh, come up against, but. Well, uh, yeah, I definitely disagreed with some of the casting in 
high school, even some of the roles that I was casted in. Because like I said, I got typecast as the dumb blonde yeah. a bit there, um, which can get frustrating. Um, I've had disagreements with directors before <laughs> and clashed with directors for sure. Um, I don't know what we're what we're getting. I'm trying to be careful with my words because I don't want to burn bridges. Should certain yeah, people hear not. things down the road, um, I will say when it comes down to it, whatever the director wants, the director gets. Yeah. So even I if I disagree, if I disagree with what I was cast in or who another person was cast as, um, you just bite your lip and you keep going and you just try to give them the performance they're looking for. And you shake your hand, you shake hands at the end and say, thank you for the opportunity and you move on. Yeah. Because um, there's and not much else to do because when it comes to a show it's the director's way or the highway it's their vision they get to make the final say on the design the casting the theme what they want the audience takeaway to be um there have been like jess said it's the ones that are a little bit more shallow that i've disagreed with i haven't i'm fortunate enough at this point to not have any um huge roles or serious shows that um, I've disagreed with and felt really passionate about it. Um, there have been a couple of, you know, smaller shows or kids shows or whatever that I'm just like, okay, this is getting a little bit too cheesy or you, I feel like we're sending the wrong message here kind of thing, but you just kind of shake your head and roll your eyes. And when you step on stage, you smile and do what you're asked. I was gonna say, if you're um, a good, if you're a good actor, you'll make the most of whatever role you're in. So even if you're mm -hmm. a background character, if you're really, if you really want to make the most of it, you're gonna make a background for your character, and you're gonna play it up. Not so much that you're overshadowing the other part of the plays or anything, but you're gonna make it so that if people are looking in the background instead of at the main actor, they're not gonna think that you're standing out because you're not doing anything, or or they're gonna tell that you're engulfed in that world, even if you're just that little, you know, city folk tell you're wandering still the background. In it. Yeah. yeah, they'll, they'll so, keep their suspension of disbelief as they look around the stage. Yeah, as um, an actor, it's you make the most of it, so. And yeah. if you decide that you want to step back from a role or whatever or quit on a show or something like that, you better have a damn good reason and it better seriously be compromising your morals or something because to bail on a show is huge in the theater world and the theater world is small and that will follow you. So... Yeah, like bet, better choose your battles on that one. So, um, but but speaking of, uh, like I said, I don't want to make this our last question here because I know we're coming really tight up against the time here. But I I do want to I do want to discuss this at least with Rebecca because I haven't heard what Rebecca has to say about it. But I'm assuming it's probably what Jess is going to say too. Um, but <laughs> or at least along the same lines, right? Um, so yeah, obviously you know there's been budget cuts across the board at St. Ambrose. We saw this here at Iowa State University. Um, what we've actually done is we folded the theater budget into the sports budget. So all the money that sports made, because they were like 20 million or so over, or like they made $20 million more than they needed. So nice. they're like, oh, well, theater needs money. So we'll just lump them together now. And now they're under the same, essentially, administration. So uh, that's how uh, ISU went about. Uh, I know he's right behind me. Uh, ISU went about uh, getting all of their funding for their theater program. Obviously, during COVID, and we couldn't have sports games. Now, 
you know, the football team was underwater with their funding and, you know, theater wasn't making any money. So they're looking to cut that program too here at a state university. And I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about it, but <laughs> I it's out there now. I don't work for them anymore, so I can say whatever I want at like, this point. Have you gotten your paper degree yet is the question. I have, it's in the mail. So okay. I've, I've, I've gotten awarded the degree. I've gotten my master's degree, so I am done uh, with everything like that so I can litigate whatever I want. But yeah, so they're thinking of cutting the, the theater program here at a big state school. What was your guys' thoughts when you heard the news about what St. Ambrose did with their theater program? And I'm going to take him down. <laughs> Well, obviously, like, my first thought was I was upset um, because we put a lot into that. And especially for Rebecca and I, because we worked for the chair of the theater department, we knew the struggles that were going on in the department. And we knew everything we were doing to make it not happen. Like, we were trying to make new majors that would still draw people into theater classes. Like, we just got a film major in the- or in um, at St. Ambrose, and we were trying to make a musical theater um, specialty at St. Ambrose. So we were trying to like be progressive and help it along. And then they cut us off and didn't give us a chance to do any of that stuff, which was obviously really disappointing. Um, and so, yeah, at first, like, I mean, obviously I was very upset. We made a petition. I made a big post about why theater is important. And, um, I think that there were a lot of things that they could have done instead of just cutting the major off. And I don't think they gave us a chance to even try any of those ideas, which is probably the the worst part about it. Uh, And on the other hand, I could see how, okay, well, maybe if we cut the theater major, we can invest more of that money in the theater people's, like the theater students' experiences. We can put more money into shows. We can um, have a greater number of shows because we won't be spending the money on the theater classes or something like that. Or they. Yeah, but then, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Or they go to the business college, you know. Exactly. You know, that's not what they're going to do. They're going to take that money. They're going to cut the budget even more. And they're just going to keep cutting back theater budget until they're not even going to offer theater classes in all reality. As sad as that is. And I think that's just really disappointing because, first of all, St. Ambrose is a liberal arts school. How can you blame that? Yes. How can you blame your liberal arts and that you want to make well-rounded students when you cut out the arts? Then you're just liberal. (laughs) <laughs> um, it isn't even, it, it's just it's just nursing exactly i worked for admissions there i was privy to the data it is basically health sciences at this point it yeah. was health sciences business and then like 12 people and if i'm <laughs> honest all... if i'm honest i think that this this is the first step to saint Rosa's downfall i honestly don't think the college is going to last that long yeah, I, um I or at least they're not going to they're not gonna last. That. Uh, they're not gonna last as as a liberal college that long. I think it might become a more specialized college for engineering and nursing or something. But I don't think that the, I think they're gonna have st- they're gonna take this and they're gonna be like, oh, well, we already cut one major, so what's gonna harm us if we cut another major? And they're just gonna keep doing that until all of a sudden they're just like a, you know, trade school. Probably size um, insulated because we had a huge school. endowment, so like we have a, that's how we got our building. We didn't have a building yeah. before, but now we got but a I, bunch of. But money. again, like. I think what is disappointing is that the the whole purpose of college is it's supposed to challenge your thinking. It's supposed to help you grow as an adult, and it's supposed to teach you to think on your own and become an independent person. And like I mentioned earlier, that's the point of theater. It's supposed to expand your worldview. It's supposed to show you those controversial topics that you don't want to talk about, and it's supposed to make you think about them. It's supposed to take a college student and say, hey, 
think about those people in the world that have lost a son uh when you know a young son that you would oh never think about or think about those people that are human trafficked even though you're in a safe midwestern area but there it is still human how trafficking. to empathize with people that you don't share similar experience with theater is yeah. huge into teaching empathy which you wouldn't realize is something that can be taught or learned or exercised but it is and empathy is so important to the human experience and theater is key to learning that you know yeah. it, it has to be learned it has to be experienced and i mean again i'm a big fan of the arts so this is where i'm coming from with this but i think the purpose of art period like i'm talking literature I would I would lump video games in there now. At this point, we've had we've discussed this before on the podcast as well. Mm -hmm. uh, video game music, theater, movies, film, TV, all this kind of stuff. I think that all that lumps into art, and the purpose of art is to explore the human experience. That's what it does, right? At the end of the day, you're exploring the human experience, and then once you've explored it and you've learned something about it, right, you then take that art and you distribute it, and then you communicate that idea. That, and I think theater does a great job because you get to see people physically acting out in front of you in the flesh, which you don't get with any other art form. You could look at a painting, you could watch TV, you could even play a video game, and that's pretty interactive itself, but you don't get to see it in the flesh. You don't get to see the natural reactions from people as they acted out in front of you and see the sweat on their brow while they communicate the human experience. I think that is what theater specifically communicates, and I think that is one of the biggest problems of all of these schools cutting theater and, and the arts more generally, but theater well, specifically from their programs. And I just want to point out that I've heard so many students um, that aren't in theater that are in a completely different major, but you have to take some sort of arts class. Yeah, you have to take some sort of arts class, and a lot of people take acting. I've heard tons of people say that acting, that acting class was their favorite class out of college or one of their favorites. And it's because it, it not only was it fun because you got to step out of your zone, you got to play something different, you got to do some crazy things and don't get judged for it. Um, but because you got to step out of your own shoes, which I think is a good thing for people to do sometimes, because sometimes we get so caught up in our own brains, we don't think about what it might be in someone else's shoes, which goes back to empathy. And so like, I would never imagine myself playing a 40 year old addict, but I did that for a role once. And now, now I know like, it was really hard for me to do that, and it was. You got a I, little bit of the experience. You got yeah, a little bit of it. I, I had to think about what that would be like, and um, I think that's just one reason why people enjoyed that class so much. Not to mention, I mean, Dan is an amazing teacher, yeah. and so are Corey and all the theater professors there, um, which I think a lot of students missed out on, unfortunately. But anyways, I'll let Rebecca talk now. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, we're, we're all very heated about it. I. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, in regards to Ambrose cutting the theater to theater major, um, my knee-jerk reaction was very upset. Like, how could they? Like, I just invested all this time. I think, I personally think, for how small of a school and how small of a department it is, it's pretty damn strong. We have successful professional alumni. Um, we even have one of our alumni got Tony Awards. That's um cool. Yeah, and um, when we go to the American College Theater Festival that we were talking about, where we do the theater competitions, and um, we go to Region 5, which is basically the entire Midwest, we always do really well at everything we bring. We've got Irene Ryan finalists, um, musical theater intensive finalists, um, 
directing finalists, stage manager. We've had several people go to the Kennedy Center in DC and move on, like just in the time that we've been there. Um, and plenty of people before that. Like we do really well. We have a strong program. Our shows are phenomenal. Um, but they're cutting it. And I just don't understand. And it's, it, it hurts. And then you think about it and you try to look at the rational side of it and look at the paper. And like just said, we were the work studies for the chair of the department. So we know how much money needs to go into this program. We know what it takes to put this on. And it's a lot. And compared to the students that are signing up and being declaring theater majors and minors and everything, like we're not making enough of that money back just from the student attendance. It's it's just a small department. And um, so we're, we're more expensive than what we bring in, you know? And so just looking at it from that perspective, it's like, well, we're in the middle of COVID and things are tough right now. So if I had to choose between keeping the theater major and um, the Ambrose stays open for another four or five years or dissolving the theater major for now and Ambrose can continue on, I would choose sacrificing the theater major in order to keep Ambrose because Ambrose as a whole, that whole school is important to me because Coomber and um, Duck Kim and all these people that I've had classes with that outside of the theater, I, I Ambrose was a huge experience for me and I think it has a lot to offer outside of the theater department. So I'd rather Ambrose continue. And now going off that again, thinking a little bit harder, like what Jess said, it's like, she was like, I, we can dissolve the, the major itself if that money is going to now go towards just making phenomenal shows, right? You know, just giving more of that experience. So I thought about it, well, what what are they increasing money towards in order to cut the theater major like we just got that new athletic facility and the business college just got a new building and um these new sports teams they have a swim team now and everything and they're maintaining that stupid igloo blow up yeah the the, the whatever that was called yeah i know what you're talking about Oh my gosh, I think that building's the stupidest thing. It's inflatable in the middle of Iowa, and sometimes and, and, it and has... We're paying so much money for a football team that I am a better kicker than what they have, and I don't kick. Like, I, I, just, I, like, I play wide receiver. I could be a better wide receiver than their whole team. And the, the whole team did a bunch of... Allegedly did some things that well, I don't want to say publicly. Yeah, well, it's just, it's just looking at... Um, you're sacrificing this entire department, this entire major, and what are you funneling more money towards or trying to preserve and everything? Like, could these areas not make some sacrifices yeah. in order to support this beautiful, strong, vibrant thing that we have? And I, I, so I it's think, like, I, I, I just, I, I, you just gave me an idea here. Okay, I know. <laughs> which is always dangerous. Thing. But I think Jess was talking about this earlier. And I really think that what, what we're seeing here is we're seeing a shift from the, you know, the exploration of the human experience, the more difficult, I, I would dare say spiritual, but definitely emotional, mental exploration that you see at college, and then transitioning into this kind of superficial aspect. Like you were just saying, 
we're building this big old building that we probably didn't need, or we're having the dome, or we're building yeah. the business college, which we definitely don't need an expansion of because the business college also isn't drawing a lot of students in. I interned for the marketing professor there, and he was like, yeah, we're not bringing in a lot of people. I'm like, then why the heck are we building this I giant think- building over here? There's a lot of that's accounting what- students. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay, what- accounting students, yeah. <laughs> I think that's what's disappointing is that instead of funneling this money, this extra money that they're now going to have into more quality education. It seems like they're expanding the the beauty of the campus, the look of the campus, getting more buildings. Yeah, yeah, getting more buildings. But first of all, you need more students if you want to have more buildings. Oh, it's a and That's all it is. It's a shell. Well, and it. Exactly. And it's like, I would rather them fund more teachers or, or you know, maybe put a little bit more of that money maybe into getting more. Yeah, into these extra theater and film classes if they're not going to have a theater major and just talking about the practicality of theater real quick everyone asked me why a theater major i mean i was also journalism major but i had a theater major on top of it because there are so many transferable skills that you learn in theater if i I have theater on my resume it shows people i'm a public speaker that i have a public presence when i speak it shows that i can memorize it ha- I have the responsibility and the determination to go through a whole rehearsal uh, and spend my nights doing it. Um, not to mention all of the technical skills that I learned, like I learned how to use a wood saw. And, I mean, but not everybody got that. But, but there's just, yeah. And it shows- Well, like, take direction, can work in teams, work with people, can understand can people. Well. Yeah. Exactly, you can lead, you know? And oh. empathy, yeah. It's There's so many things that theater shows beyond just, hey, I was in a play and I- did things in front of people like no, no it's deeper than that. <laughs> yeah it's so much <laughs> deeper than that and i think people fail to realize that because theater they think a lot of people relate theater with like big flashy musicals and you know they don't really think about everything that goes into a show but, yeah besides uh, now I, rebecca if you have any closing remarks go for it but we, we do have to close out here pretty soon we're already 20 minutes over but that's yeah. okay <laughs> <laughs> now um Theater's ever evolving. I don't think it's going anywhere. I think it's just just like any other time in history. It's just gonna make adjustments to keep the public interest, and it's just gonna. It's always gonna be there for influence and cultivating the human experience. Yeah, yes, I really hope it does because if it goes away, we're gonna be in a we're gonna be in a yeah. poor spot to be sure, yes. from my perspective at least. Try something new. Really? See a new show you don't think you want to see. Yeah, you might, you might like it. Jump out of your comfort zone. Absolutely. All right, James. Support the arts. <laughs> yes, please support the arts for the love of God. Yeah, I'll sign us out. All right. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for tuning in tonight. Uh, we will be back Friday evening at uh, 8 p.m. because you don't get off till yeah, 7. Yeah, we're doing 7 right? 8. Yep. Okay. Okay. Perfect. 8 p.m. <laughs> with these two again. We're going to be talking about some more art stuff. And of course, Disney. So Rebecca's going to go insane. We're going to be ranking Disney movies. It's going to be a three-hour podcast. Uh, I'm already working on it. (laughs) I'll be be getting the Disney movies, and I'll have some input from Rebecca, of course, uh, for some of them. Uh, And hopefully it'll be as entertaining as our our video where we ranked races last week. Foot races. I was going to say foot races because there's some confusion about what we were doing. Yes, Sorry. well, it's because you threw all that motorsport stuff in there, so I actually had something to talk about. Yeah. That's where the confusion came from. I did that for you. I know. Because I felt bad. Yeah, well, you should have. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so if you like tonight's episode, please uh, give us a like. We're getting a request, though. Yes. I, I want to throw this out here. We are getting a request for another theater podcast, which we might do. 
if if this video reaches if this video reaches 10 likes we will do another theater <laughs> podcast with these two and maybe more people yes yes 10 <laughs> likes that is the goal so like this episode subscribe to the channel for more also follow us over on twitch gab minds and facebook and check out some of our other videos we got a lot of shows coming thank you so much for watching us tonight thank you uh, rebecca and jess for coming on tonight really enjoyed it and we will see you guys on friday have a good night all right